Hello and welcome to episode 226 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. Today is the 24th of June 2019 and coming up today we have part two of my trip to Gardener's World Live. Now in last week's podcast we managed to just scratch the surface of the show gardens and the floral marquee but there's still so much more to cover. Before all of that, we have the diary where I'll share what I've been up to over this last week in my garden and allotment. Well, it's Saturday the 22nd of June 2019, just in my greenhouse at home. Now, you may realise that I've not mentioned that or done anything in the diary section during this week. That's because I have been so busy at work, getting home really late at night, that apart from general maintenance with the chickens and a bit of watering, which actually watering I haven't had to do a huge amount of because it's rained so much, but um, I have not really done much gardening. I've not even been down the allotment, which is really annoying, but that is life, I'm afraid to say. I am on call this weekend, but I got up this morning and uh, haven't been called out yet, touch wood, which meant I could do some work at home in the garden. Now, the first task I said to was planting out some plants in my third and final bed. That's got some, now got some kale in it, uh, some little uh, pepper plants and some calendula, just using that space up and getting it all filled up I've got lots of kale plants so I was quite happy to use those and uh, we can eat kale in the winter as well as the chickens can and the quail can so yeah that that's all planted up now I gave it a really really good drink it's very hot today so I suspect they're going to need that good drink now the weather this week has obviously been a bit uh, changeable we've had a lot of rain so the ground is actually quite moist how long it'll stay like that I don't know Anyway, after I've watered those plants in, I then went to a supplier to get some quail food because I was out of quail food. And I've recently found a, a, a supplier that's a couple of miles away where, from where I live, which is making life a lot easier for getting both chicken feed and quail feed. It's not as cheap as some of the other places I've been to, but it's just on my doorstep. So that makes up for it. I mean, it's not it's still not the most expensive place by far. It's actually pretty reasonable prices. So, And it's a local supplier, so I do like to support my local suppliers. So I returned home with the quail feed. I've um, filled up the pots or the, the, the quail feed bucket in the shed. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good to go. And that will obviously be in a weekly harvest report. Then... Uh, I basically spent a bit of time tidying up my patio area. Now on the patio area I've got a lot of my little plants, my my kale plants that I mentioned earlier. I've still got a lot more of those that I'm trying to find homes for. But that just needed really good tidy up. I've noticed some of my lettuce in my wooden truck is starting to bolt. So I've pulled that out, or pulled the bolting ones out and given those to the chickens. And... Uh, Hopefully some of the others won't bulb before they create a head, but we'll see what happens on that. I mean, it's the weather's so changeable at the moment that we never really know what's going to happen. 
I then came in the greenhouse, as I said that's where I am now, and in here I've planted out a couple of uh, chilli plants and some sweet pepper plants, because the ones I did have in here all kind of died back, including my aubergine plant, which is actually really annoying. Another year I have not managed aubergines. But yes, that's got the chilli plants and pepper plants in the greenhouse. Um, you may recall last week I mentioned that my melon plant was looking a bit droopy. Well, I've been making sure I have watered that almost every day since last week. And that is actually looking a lot better. It's looking like it's actually point on growth now. So it obviously just needed a bit of time to really establish itself and get its roots right down into the ground. So I know in here, although I've got a lot of organic matter to build the, the soil up, below the organic matter is clay and that clay really holds on to moisture incredibly well it's a real pain to dig or do anything with the clay but it does hold on to moisture and in fact in this greenhouse it's worked really well because once plants are established i do find they don't need a huge amount of watering in fact i'm just looking at my tomato plants in here and they've actually put on quite a bit of growth as well they're snaking and growing up this bit of twine that i've placed in here and doing pretty damn good although the one chickpea plant i've got in here isn't looking so good it's gone very dry and i don't think it's going to survive to be honest um it's gone brown not a huge amount of leaves not a huge amount of stalks just doesn't look good i'm not too worried because i've got more chickpea plants elsewhere and this one was here as a bit of an experiment to see where these plants seem to grow best i don't think in here is right the ones in the greenhouse on the allotment seem to be doing much better when i looked at them last week we'll find out tomorrow how they are doing well i'm going to finish off this watering in here and uh, that'll be it for today i imagine well it's sunday the 23rd of july 2019 today and I have just finished packing up after a few hours on the allotment, heading home and I need a long dip in the hot tub. I'll come to why that is in just a second, but today it was the first trip down the allotment in just over a week. And with the recent wet weather, combined with not being able to get down here in the evenings, the weeds have grown. All that hard work I spent in getting on top of the weeds I feel is a bit sort of wasted now oh that's probably not a bit unfair but the weeds have grown so i spent quite a few hours weeding again as you can imagine so i think from now on this week hopefully it'll be quieter at work i can pop down here every evening and again just get on top of the weeds spend a week doing that with the strimmer as well and hopefully we will win that now after all the weeding i pulled out the lawnmower that took a while because it's behind all the tools and everything which is getting a little bit annoying um, but I pulled out the lawnmower and ran over all the weeds chopped it up nice and small and placed into the compost bin I let the lawnmower cool down before packing away but it is a challenge getting it in and out of this little shed which is uh, it's annoying but at the same time it prevents any thefts but I don't know what I'm going to do with that it does work and that's the main thing then after that, I um, planted out the last of my beans and peas. Now these were two, uh, 
Well, one variety of beans, Britta's long, or foot, Britta's foot long, and the peas, I can't remember what the variety was, but they were a little late to go out. Uh, I wanted to do them last week, but the rain came in and uh, popped me off from doing it. But they're out. Again, nothing difficult to say there. They're just planted out and uh, given a good watering in. And hopefully they will start producing soon. Leeks that I planted out a few weeks ago, they are looking really, really good now. They've, uh, they, they grew a few weeds around them, which I've cleared away, but they have really bolstered on and grown even more. While on the subject of things growing, I mean, the recent rain has really helped plants grow really, really well. A lot of the stuff is just, well, growing through its roof. The potatoes are up to my waist, the plants. They've got flowers on most of them. I've planted potatoes too close together, though. But never mind. We live and learn and we'll learn for next year that I'll have to dedicate more space to potatoes. Gooseberries, raspberries, um, blackberries, red currants are all ripening and in fact many of them are now ripe as are strawberries and oh, lots of other other things. Uh, things just really getting there. Broad beans, getting hundreds and hundreds of broad beans. Um, you'll hear about this all in the weekly harvest report of course. But yeah, things are really, really developing. In fact, I've noticed my apple tree. Now this is the Bramley apple tree. It's got so much fruit on it that the weight is sort of leaning it over. So, um, too hot now, but I'll have to sort that out at a later date. Now, I did mention that I'm heading home for a dip because it's been a rather warm day. And that's Well, warm is perhaps the correct word. It's not been hot, but warm, but it's been muggy. And I just, it's horrible. The just sweat is just sticking to me and not going anywhere. It's just... Uh, Really irritating, I find, anyway. So um, I'm kind of done for today. I'm going to head home and uh, chill out for a bit. And hopefully this evening it will start to cool down. Well, today is Monday the 24th of June 2019. And I'm afraid to say it's another late finish from work today, which means I didn't get to the allotment like I would have liked to. When I did get home, however, I did manage to pop into the greenhouse and give everything a good watering. Um, while I was in there, it reminded me of the chick, I meant to mention yesterday, the chickpea plants on the allotment. Now, the two outside are growing fine. But the two in the greenhouse, they are not only growing flat fine, they flowered and they have started to produce little pods, which I assume is going to be the chickpea. Now, how much we're going to get out of them remains to be seen, but they are doing really, really well. And they seem to be producing, which is the important thing. Now, I forgot to mention that yesterday. I just remembered while I was in the greenhouse this evening. Now, just outside my greenhouse at home, I keep my peach tree at the moment. And as I walked past it, I happened to notice that a couple of leaves on the very top of this tree are showing signs of peach leaf curl. And peach leaf curl is a really nasty fungal disease that affects peach trees. It's pretty common and I every year, pretty much have had it every year I've grown a peach tree outside. But what I found is the best way to avoid it is to bring the tree into the greenhouse between November and May. And that works fine and then we've avoided peach leaf curl up until now. In fact, this year the leaf on this tree is probably the best that I've ever seen it so it really really works 
I think last year I did get peach leaf curl and I had to remove pretty much 50% of the leaves, which is not great, and that affects the fruits. Well, this year I've avoided it up until now, but there was only uh, two or three leaves, I suppose, that had signs of it, which I've just removed. Um, We'll see if we get any more, but I think the reason I've got this is because of recent rain that we've had. Now, it's it's annoying, and we've got some really nice, good-looking peaches that are growing on there. They're still small, but they are swelling up nicely is probably the best way to describe it they're going to produce some really nice peaches which i do love nice fresh peaches that's assuming of course that this peach leaf curl doesn't get any worse and i don't think it will but we'll keep an eye on it of course and see what happens now the weekly harvest report i made a bit of a mistake last week i wrote up the report and i thought i had hit publish it wasn't until this evening that i was just checking through things that I realised it was still in my drafts. So <laughs> this week I'm, I'm producing a three-week harvest report. So that's quite a high value. There's a huge amount of eggs, sad leaf and all the usual suspects as you would imagine. But for the first time this week I've harvested the first potatoes which came out of a bucket that I grew at home over an SF variety called Home Guard. And there was a kilo of those from that one bucket. And they were delicious, just boiled with a bit of mint. We've also had gooseberries and raspberries making an appearance. So soft fruit is really coming into itself. Now summer's under its way. So that really wraps up this week's diary section. This week's tip of the week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar reads Clip rock garden plants such as Arboreta, Elysium, Arabus, Helenthanium with shears once the flowers are over. I know I always struggle pronouncing some flowers names don't I? But again there's no veg mentioned in that this week so I'm not going to really add anything apart from the fact that I can't say many flower names. <laughs> Now, at the end of last week's podcast, I said I was about to head inside the main area of the NEC to see more of Gardener's World Live. And that's where we'll pick up from. Well, I'm now inside the main hall of the NEC. And in here, I can see that we have lots of stalls and stages for the Gardener's World Live show and the BBC Good Food Live show. Now, I guess the first thing I should do is have a wander around and see what I can find that will be of interest. So I've just been wandering around and I came across a stall labelled as Hydra Veg Kid and there's a young lady called Sue here who's going to talk to us about it. Sue, what is Hydra Veg? Right, Hydra Veg is uh, hydroponic gardening for families and homes and schools and, and it allows people to grow loads of veg outside 365 days a year with no digging, no weeding, no slugs, no snails, no soil and it waters itself. And it also, as you can see here, it takes up very little space. Yeah. Because just in front of you, we've got a kit that's uh, six foot wide, five foot tall, and that's got 120 plants in it. And we're not talking about little tiny things. We're talking about we've got cabbage, kale, spinach, purple sprouting broccoli, beans, peas, aubergines, courgettes, strawberries, tomatoes, all of those growing uh, in, the, in the kit. So the fabulous thing about the kit is that it's using 70% less water than a normal garden. 
because the water is actually recycling round. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we put the water and the nutrients in and it pumps up to the top, falls down by gravity on in the pipes, back to the bottom. So in a, a hot day in the summer, we would be putting, topping up the water with about five litres of water. So that's a watering can full with the, with the water and the nutrients. You know, you could put a watering can in two hanging baskets and most of the water runs out with the nutrients. Yeah. So in there, we've got 120 plants of five litres of water. So it's really wow. brilliant um, for water shortages. So, and because nothing grows in the pot, um, we've got the roots coming through the bottom into the water. We've got the, the, the foliage coming at the top and so we can put multiple plants into the same pot. So although you won't be able to see it on the podcast, I can show you that we've got some um, kale there and there's five kale in the same pot and it's just a little tiny pot, five kale. And that means that we can actually grow loads in a small space. Yeah. And it happens all the way through the winter time. So even in the, the winter when it freezes, of course the winter plants are brassicas and kales so they they survive through the winter even though they're only in water oh i mean i've just seen this sea of green just full of as you say kale strawberries peas and it's such a small space that's using up in comparison to what i mean that would be probably a whole allotment, it's a whole being, allotment. Whole, absolutely yeah. so and that's as you say six foot wide five foot high and probably two foot deep yeah two foot deep so not a huge amount of actual footprint but a lot of plants I think that's ideal for people who have very small gardens or patios garden anymore most of the the customers that we have actually say well it'd be brilliant because I can't do the digging and the weeding as I used to do and this is great no digging and weeding I can reach everything it's fabulous so so if I was to have one of these at my house what would I need to put it in Um, well it comes with a frame so you just put it on a flat piece of ground so it, um, it so if you think about a fence panel with a, a flag and a half, yeah. it would just sit there. Yeah. Um, it would need um, plugged into electric for the pump, but the leader for ours is about 30 foot long. So it doesn't have to be actually very close. And because it's a kit, actually you move, you just take it with you. Right. Yeah. Do you know how powerful the pump is in terms of wattage? Oh, it's, it's 240. 240 volt. Yeah, so it's only like, a, it's like a little, uh, it's a pond pump, little right. pond pump. Um, so it's less than a, an LED light bulb. Oh, but we only have it on in the day. Plants yeah. don't need to eat and drink right. all the way through the night. And yeah. so we sw- it gets switched off at night. So if you're really clever, not like me when I first designed it, really clever, you have a timer. Right. And then it just automatically comes on. That's even less work. Right. And uh, everything in the kit's reusable. Yeah. So when we finish with a little plant, it's sitting, in, it's sitting in clay balls just to support the stem. So we empty out the clay balls, take the plant out, put the new plant in with no soil. We washed it off. Yeah. yeah. Put the clay balls back in and put the pot back in the hole. One of the things we don't want to do is just have loads and loads of stuff for, for landfill. Yes, uh, I think that's a really important thing to try and avoid, especially as... Now our gardens are getting smaller and smaller. People are doing less and less composting as well. And again, you don't need compost for this. Uh, another win-win. Now, do you add anything to the water to help the plants grow? Yeah, we, we put in the normal nutrients. So that's your, your, all your PK nutrients. So right. it's a liquid form, so it doesn't get stuck in the pipe. And, uh, and it just gives off a little uh, pink tinge. So we always know how the nutrients go in as well. If it's very, very pale, we right. know. If we've had rain, you know, we've had torrential rain for the last four or five days, it's outside, it would have diluted it. So we would know then to put some extra nutrients in. Sure. But very small amount of nutrients every time. So five litres of water, we put 10 mil of A and 10 mil of B in, 
That's it. So very little work, very little weeding, and it works. No weeding. No weeding, no. and it works. Find a weed. <laughs> yeah, it's so, fabulous. So if somebody wants to find out more, where do they go? Yeah, they go to uh, www.hydroveg.co.uk. They can find all the information on there. So that's just hydroveg.co.uk. Lovely. Thank you very much, Steve. You're welcome. Well, I really like that Hydroveg hydroponic growing system. I've had my eye on hydroponics for quite a while. I've just never really got into it. But I do think as gardens are getting smaller and smaller, it's another avenue that we could be growing food in our own gardens. And it's certainly worth exploring and something that perhaps I should look more into in the future. Um, now, I have just spotted another stall and I know these people have a podcast. It's called Garden Organic. Now, I wonder if we can get somebody to talk to us and share to us what Garden Organic is all about and about their podcast. I own another store now, one that takes after my own heart, and that's Garden Organic. And I've forgotten your name, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I've got Hannah, Hannah from Garden Organic here. I'm useless with names, so don't take that personally. And she's going to chat a bit about what she does with Garden Organic. So, yeah. So Garden Organic is a national charity. We've been going for just over 60 years now. Um, we used to be called the Henry Doubleday Research Association, and we were founded back in the 1950s when organic gardening was considered a bit uh, alternative, something for the weirdy beardies. Um, and basically we try and get as, my, as many people to garden organically as possible. So we do that through giving out advice to everyday growers. We lobby government, um, we raise awareness of some of the issues surrounding organic gardening, so some pesticide use, peat use, that kind of thing. Um, and then we have charitable projects around the UK, so we encourage children to garden, so we help with school food gardening projects, um, and we do community gardening projects, so we help community gardens by training the people involved in the gardens, um, upskilling them in growing, so they can sort of take ownership of that garden. And then we're also very keen composters, so we help... Um, we have volunteer master composters who go out around the country, go to local events and try and teach people how to compost. So, quite a range. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a very, very busy time as well. Yeah. yeah. So somebody listening is sort of thinking, like, perhaps I should be taking steps towards gardening organic. Really. What's the first step you would recommend they do? first thing I always suggest is get a compost bin going so if you haven't got a compost heap then that's always the first place to start because it's a really good way of using your green waste so any raw kitchen waste any prunings anything in your garden get that going in a corner of the garden even if you've only got space a really small compost bin just start sticking your things in there and um, make sure you've got the right kind of ingredients so you need the right balance of what we call brown sort of woody prunings dried things paper cardboard and your green so grass clippings veg peelings and um, get that in your garden and just get that going because in about a year's time you'll have that really nice compost which will then feed your soil and that's the other really key thing is to do a bit of research on your soil so if you can get your soil right then actually a lot of the other problems that you might experience later on are reduced. If you've got a really good healthy soil, full of nutrients, then you don't need some of those artificial fertilisers, feeds, that kind of thing. Um, and the other tip I would say is get some comfrey growing. So we really champion a variety called Bocking 14. Um, so our founder Lawrence Hills did a lot of research on comfrey and went 
sort of got to the point where Bocking 14 is the cultivar with the best balance of nutrients. If you've got room for two or three comfrey plants, go for the Bocking 14 because it doesn't spread. And what you can do is you can use it as a compost accelerator, you can use it in your soil, you can use it as a really good plant feed for your hungry plants, so your tomatoes, that kind of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. I mean... I often have this debate with people who want to go on organic, but they feel they've got to go straight in at the top and make sure all their manures, their horses have been fed organically and everything. I've always said, no, just start at the base. Is that something you tend to agree with? Definitely, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at... Uh, selling organic food, that kind of thing, you know, you need to go down the certification route. But if you're just starting out, if you're just an everyday grower, anything you can do is good. And I think that's the challenge that people sometimes find it really overwhelming with like a big long list of do's and don'ts. We just basically recommend if you can make one switch, so if you can ditch those metaldehyde slug pellets, um, if you can start using a comfrey feed, start small, and as you get used to it, you can then carry on, and you know, eventually you will be a fantastic organic grower, but it, yeah, it can be overwhelming, so just start small. I mean, I've recently made an interesting observation. I don't use slug pellets at all, or any, well, I don't use any pesticides at all, and I don't have any problems with slugs. And I'm wondering if, because I'm not using anything, it's attracting all the birds into the land to do it for me. Is that something you find as well? Yeah, that's exactly the principle, is that if you can bring in those birds, if you can bring in the hedgehogs, the frogs, they'll all help you. And, you know, they're all there. Those natural predators are there to eat those slugs. And the more, it's a bit of a vicious circle. If you put down those metaldehyde slug pellets, you will be killing off the birds, you'll be killing off the hedgehogs, and then you're going to have more and more of a problem. So it's self-perpetuating. So, yeah, if you can try and encourage all those other wildlife into your garden, they will certainly lend a hand. Sure. Now, you mentioned to me you've just launched a podcast as well. Can we get a bit of uh, information and hopefully get you some listeners from that as well? Yep, so it's called the Organic Gardening Podcast. and We launched it in March. So it has three different parts. We have a chat of what to do now, which is between Sarah Brown, who writes the um, horticultural content from our website, and Chris Collins, who's our head of horticulture. He used to be the Blue Peter Gardener. So Sarah's got a nice big garden in Oxfordshire. Chris has a balcony in London. So they've got quite a nice sort of varied skill set. And then we try and have an interview with someone who's relevant in the organic gardening industry. Um, So we've got some really interesting organic gardeners all sorts of different people that we interview people that we know sort of from the industry and then we have a Q&A session so you'll hear me um, asking some questions so some common questions that were asked by our members that just relevant just to try and help people with their organic gardening Fantastic, is that on iTunes and all other goods? Bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> iTunes, um, Spotify, I think, all the usual. You can find it on the audio boom. Excellent, excellent. And if anybody wants to find out about Garden Organic? Uh, we have a website, gardenorganic.org.uk, so you can read up about what we do, you can read some of our advice, or you can become a member there. So we have about 20,000 members across the UK. Membership is just £2.75 a month, um, and it gives you access to all our advice and helps to support the work we're doing. Lovely. Thank you very much for your time and I'll be sure to listen to your podcast. Now inside there are many stages with talks going on. It's not all about the stalls trying to sell you their wares. I do actually find the stalls to be very good because you get demonstrations and you get to meet the people that talk about them, that use them and so on. So it's well worth having a good look at the stalls and playing around with what they are selling. 
But I do believe at these events the real value and what you're paying for is the talks that happen on stage. Some of the more popular stages do charge a small amount to get a seat in them, but the majority of them are free to take a seat. Of course, the lineup throughout these four days includes talkers such as Monty Don, Alan Titchmarsh, and many, many more well known gardeners spread out across many, many stages. But there's one stage that I have been particularly impressed with this year, and that's a stage dedicated to allotments. Now, I really am pleased to see that allotments are being featured more prominently this year. I've had many, many conversations with other allotment tiers who are just screaming for allotments to be featured more prominently in mainstream gardening media. Now, I've just sat through one of the talks on the stage and um, I'm going to see if we can have a chat with this speaker. Well, I'm very lucky today. I have caught up with the president of the National Allotment Society, who is probably the best person to ask what the National Allotment Society is all about. So, Well, the National Allotment Society is, is a membership organisation. We're here to the three Ps, protect and uh, promote and preserve allotments. But we do more than that. We look after all our memberships, uh, ups and downs and problems here and there. That's so fantastic. So if somebody's listening wants to join the Allotment Society, what is going to be the biggest benefit for them? The bene- oh, there's, there's, there's a whole list. We could go on forever. We, we have a legal department for a start. Right. We, we, we have a, a King's Seeds scheme. Right. with uh, uh, The main importers of seeds, and that, you'll find that they're about a third cheaper than most uh, seed companies. Right. Um, we have a, a regional network of mentors and representatives, so if there's any problems, you can contact a local contact. Uh, failing that, you can get hold of me, I'm, I'm covered everywhere. But, um, as all, we also offer for membership individual plot liability cover. Yeah, free in with the membership. Yeah. And uh, we have different sorts of membership. We have association memberships where an association can join. Um, and it, it's it's very very cheap, three pound a member. Like An individual membership we offer at twenty four pounds a member. Oh, but um, and we have a, a, a horticultural advisor in our magazine. We have a wonderful magazine. In my, I am slightly biased, but in my <laughs> mind, it is far superior, or even on it on a par with the best gardening magazines. That's fantastic. A, yeah. So we we offer quite a bit. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, so I take it you have an allotment yourself? I do have an allotment <laughs> myself, yes. I'm, I'm trying to downsize, actually. I've got right. one and a half, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm growing too much for just uh, my, my requirements, so I'm trying to cut down to one. Fair enough, yeah, I can understand <laughs> that. What is the allotment appeal to for, for yourself? What, what appeals to you about allotmenteering? Uh, well, I, I, I've had a background in agriculture anyway, right. so I like to get my hands in the soil. There's nothing I like better than the smell of soil. Yeah. But, um, but it's so many benefits. It's got health benefits for, you know, you're out in the fresh air, the sunshine, physical exercise. There's many other benefits. It's very therapeutic for people with mental disorders. I used to teach for a living as well, and uh, I used to come home on an evening, spend a quarter of an hour digging, and all my cares would disappear. Yeah, and it, it's like I say, it's very, very therapeutic. And uh, and of course, 
we're forgetting the main thing, <laughs> the fresh vegetables. <laughs> uh, and you know where they've come from, how they've been grown, and there's nothing better than having something straight from the garden onto your plate. Absolutely. Everything that I've said, I've agreed with is what you've said there. Yeah. Totally, totally, it is. totally. So that's great. Now, I see that this year Gardeners World have really made an effort with the allotments and vegetable wow. growing. Wow. I came down last year, actually, and uh, I, I do quite a number of shows. But this show, what's happened here this, this, this weekend has been unbelievable. We, we've upstaged, you know, and uh, we've got six speakers a day. We've had packed houses, packed audience. We've had them standing three deep at the back as well. It's been wonderful. And, uh, and the main thing that comes back is it's lovely to have some proper gardeners telling you how to all the tips and, of the trade rather than, uh, you know, yes. <laughs> I won't go any further. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I actually see a lot, because I'm on Facebook groups a lot, I see a lot of people asking for allotments to be featured more and modern media tv so there's definitely a market i feel for this sort of thing so hats off the garden as well for jumping on it this year there definitely is um (laughs) my my props bag for my talk is a morrison's bag (laughs) (laughs) scaffold debris netting bits of pipe tin cans you name it i can i can make all sorts out of that i've got undersoil heating in my polytunnel made from an old radiator domestic radiator ice cream tubs and pipes and it works it don't cost anything <laughs> fantastic it sounds like a really good allotment yeah. you have there that, uh, yeah so i like i like to tinker around and uh, create all sorts of benefits for the gardening so if anybody wants to find out more about the allotment society where do they head to well uh, we we go under the name of the national allotment society now but if they if they're looking for their website and can't get via that route look for the National Society of Allotment and Leisure Gardeners because you'll still get in through that route as well. So just Google that and you'll come across it. And you'll get up to our website which gives you all the information about uh, how to join or what's going on and events and things. Thank you very much for your time. It has been my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've got to say, these interviews that I've got out of Gardener's World Live have been fantastic. I've really enjoyed chatting to these people. There's still more to come though. I'm not over with Gardener's World Live. In next week we have Outside Gang, uh, which is a, a manufacturer of some garden ice buckets slash garden sinks or chopping boards, chopping table. I've actually got one myself. I've had it in my garden since December. Fantastic bit of kit and I've chatted to the designer and manufacturer of that and that's coming up next week but we also have annabelle from life at number 27 annabelle's been on the podcast before she was a fantastic guest she's actually a very good friend as well and really great to have caught up with her but you will hear about that next week and find out what she's been up to and what's going on with life at number 27 but i'm going to wrap up for this week i don't like to go much over half hour on my podcasts which is why i've had to split this up into three different parts but it's all good fun so for this next week please take care please enjoy your gardening i'm going to certainly hope to get out in the garden a lot more this week because uh, things are changing i'll say no more than that but yes please take care and i'll see you all again next time <laughs>